Everyone wants to know how much should they put down for a down payment on a house. Spoiler alert, there is no one answer for everyone since we all have different finances. So let's learn what's right for you. Plus, today's super fun bonus content, math. Hi guys, it's me, and uh, this question is so loaded and so controversial, I'm going to do this episode out of order. I'm going to start things right in the middle of the podcast. You know, the part where I start to spit out all the knowledge and give you all the hard facts and the math. Oh, okay, I can see some of you guys are running from the microwave because you thought that you still had a couple minutes of me rambling at the top of the show before I got into it. Nope, I'm going to go right in the middle. Start with the guts. So it might not make any sense to you, but just keep on listening. It's going to be like a Tarantino movie, you know, all out of order, but eventually you figure out how all the pieces fit. Okay. All right. Well, now that you know all the history and all the philosophical differences of opinion on how much you should put down on your house, uh, let's talk about a real world example. I had a Zoom the other day with some awesome podcast listeners from Boston. Let's call them Mark and Mary. It's Mark and Mary. Park your car in the yard. Boy, my accent sucks. So there were two great young adults, probably half my age, and God bless them, they had $150,000 saved for a down payment. Now, I know that might not be you, but just do the math, okay? Make $150,000, $15,000, and you can make the math work for you. We're all at different places. They've been thinking about this for about a year. They got a pre-qualification with a lender in March of 2020. You guys remember March 2020? Yeah, that's when everything went to poop. So they got approved back then for 20% down for a $700,000 purchase. They hadn't found the podcast yet, so they kind of waited it out through COVID, you know, which all of us kind of did. And they kept paying their $2,200 a month rent while they tried to save up even more because their big goal was to put down as much as they could to keep that future monthly payment low, right? A lot of you guys are probably listening today for that same thing. Shouldn't I put a lot down and have a low down payment? That's everyone's reasoning for doing a large down payment, to have a smaller monthly payment with the mortgage. Because as we know with the mortgage, the beautiful thing about it is, unlike rent, that monthly payment is fixed for 30 years. Payment does not go up like your rent. So what a lot of people think is, uh, we're going to save like crazy and get a really big down payment so that we have a lower lifetime monthly payment. Meanwhile, while they're waiting during COVID, during all the time, they're still paying $2,200 a month on their rent while they save money so that they can put a big down payment. And while they're doing that, of course, no one expected it. But during COVID, the prices started going up and up and up. So after 11 months you know, they spent, you know, over $24,000 in rent and that rent is gone forever. And that $700,000 home they were looking at, it's gone up 10%. So it's now $770,000. And this double sucks because when they recently started looking for homes here in 2021 with a realtor, not only had their prices gone up, but they started to get really frustrated because they were finding what many buyers in early 2021 found out and what you guys are still finding out. And if you're listening to in the future, eh, things are probably different. But anyway, here in 2021, they got really frustrated with the low supply of homes for sale and the insane demand. And that demand creates bidding wars for almost every home, making them even more expensive 
than what my Boston friends, Mike and Mary, were actually looking for, you know, when they first started getting approved for their loan. Well, I was super happy to be Zooming with them and help them out and discuss the financial options. It's one of my favorite things to do as a realtor is do a buyer consultation and be a real, you know, financial consultant to help them reach their goals so that you as the first time home buyer, you can not only have all your questions answers, but you can see all the different options you can to afford the best home possible. They told me, you know, it was really nice. They told me they loved the podcast. And one of the things they really liked about it was it got them looking at things in a monthly way, a monthly way, you know, not just looking at the big price talked about that in episode 43, you know, looking at price versus looking at payment. Now, the funny thing is when they were out there looking at the homes with a realtor, they didn't really discuss their financial options with a realtor. They actually told me that they just took their eight or nine month old loan approval to which they had never really even discussed the monthly payments. They just were thinking about price and the realtor took them out and started showing them homes at that price. So very quickly, they got disappointed because when they started versus where they were now, $700,000 had changed a little bit. So I asked them, hey, Mark, hey, Mary, what monthly payment are you shooting for? Well, you know, they're paying $2,200 a month right now, and they said they could stretch to thirty-five, dollars or, you know, they'd go all the way up to $4,500 a month if it didn't need any work. It's got to be perfect. Okay, so at this point, you know, they've got $150,000 to put down and pay for closing costs. So, you know, $140,000 is 20%, and then $10,000 left over. That's a little tight for closing costs, but we knew that they had a couple little things they could do to make that work. So, $140,000 down, you take that $700,000 purchase price and you reduce it by $140,000, the 20% down, and you get math majors, y'all with me? $560,000 loan, right? A $560,000 loan. Now that's going to cost you about $3,000 a month right now. Okay. Based because we've got these incredible low interest rates. So the good news is I told them, Hey, look, you know, you guys, it's only $3,000 a month. And you said you guys were good to go to 3,500, 45. The place was great. So maybe we ought to look at seeing if we can get a higher loan, something like that. And they said, yeah, but David, we've barely got 20% down on $700,000, you know, and like we said, we've only got 10,000 left on the closing costs and that could be tough. And the big bummer is everything we're seeing is 700,000 and most of them need work. So I said, all right, well, you know, we could, you know, rerun your loan approval with maybe a better lender, a different lender, and maybe a better realtor at this point, because they weren't super thrilled. And that's why they were talking to me. So I said, yeah, you guys ask different questions, talk to different people and see what you can get approved at maybe with 10% down. Now, at this point, Mark and Mary looked at me like I was wicked stupid. They said they wanted to put as much down as they could so they can have that low monthly payment. And not to mention the fact if they went under 20%, they would have to pay PMI, private mortgage insurance. And they have heard from everybody that that's wicked harsh. Nobody likes PMI, right? So we ran the numbers a few different ways. And here's one thing that we found that was very interesting. We figured out what if you could get approved at 700,000 with 10% down. Now, here's the big math, guys. 10% down on 700,000 is 70,000 bucks. They had 150. So the difference in the mortgage 
because you you now have a larger loan, obviously. So you're going to be paying an extra $70,000 worth of loan every month in your mortgage. That equates to about $368 a month. Okay. So yeah, it's a big deal. If you're paying $368 a month over 30 year loan, plus don't forget when you go below 20%, that's just an arbitrary number the banks came up with. That's when you have to pay the private mortgage insurance. It's insurance. The bank wants to make sure, you know, they feel like if you're not invested 20% into it, they want you to insure the loan. And so I told him, I said, Hey guys, well, the good thing is you've got good credit. So your PMI's going to be on the lower side. It's going to be $132 a month if you put 10% down. So you can put 10% down instead of 20% down. But then every month you're going to have those extra payments. It's going to be $368 in extra mortgage and $132 in PMI. Now that happened to be a total increase of exactly $500 a month. So by putting 10% less down, you're going to have to pay an extra $500 a month. Now in this equation, what else is different here? Yeah, you now have $70,000 in the bank. So you said that you could stretch to 3,500 or 4,500 a month if it was fixed up nice. Well, in the 20% down scenario, you're paying $3,000 a month and you've got nothing left in the bank. Now in this 10% scenario, you're paying 3,500 a month, still on the low end of where you want to stretch, way in your comfort zone, doing great. And you've got $70,000 in the bank and you can use a portion of that to remodel the home. We even talked about the fact that, okay, what if... You're like, I know we said 3,500, but maybe we really do want to keep it at 3,000. Okay, cool. So then do this. Put 10% down. You're going to have a payment of 3,500. 500 of that is extra. We just figured that out. But you're going to have $70,000 savings that you are going to have that you can just put in your bank account. So that extra $500 a month, you can pay it directly out of that $70,000 if you want to. Uh, we did the math. That's 140 months or 11 and a half years. So they could be paying that really comfortable $3,000 a month, not fix up the place, but just take the money out from that 70,000 in the bank for 11 and a half years. And that is just one person's formula. Happy Friday, everybody. It's time for question of the week with me, David Sedoni, the how to buy a home guy. This is the how to buy a home podcast. Welcome back to you repeat listeners, my audio squad out in the ethers and a special welcome. If you're a brand new listener trying to figure out how much you should put as a down payment when you're buying your first home, the answer, it might get you pretty pumped up. You may discover that not renting anymore could be the smartest thing that you could do. So if you're new, go ahead, give it a listen. And if you dig it, subscribe. You'll get all the episodes automatically sent directly to you and your device. I'm here to educate, inform, empower you, trying to help take all the mystery out of the daunting, intimidating, and sometimes demoralizing task of attempting to become an informed first-time home buyer. This is my one-man mission to bring you real stories about how other confused first-time buyers were magically transformed into savvy, knowledgeable, Great first-time home buyers basking in the warm glow of knowledge. 
This week's question, how much should you put down? I have heard this question so many times in 15 years. I'm glad I'm finally doing a podcast about it. This is a loaded question, and it's not one that anybody can answer with a blanket statement. What amount is right for you for a down payment? That's based on your entire big picture. I just encourage you guys, be careful not to listen to anybody else you know, out there talking to you and telling you what they did. There are so many people with an opinion that what they did is the only smart way to buy a home, that their down payment choice that they figured out and understood, that's the only way to buy a home. You know, they say anyone who doesn't put X amount down when they buy a home is an idiot. I just don't believe that's true. Nobody buys the same when you're buying a home. We're all different. And sure, if you're in a mall and you both have 20 bucks in your pocket, And the person that you're with who has that big opinion, they figure out where they can get a great deal on socks. Cool. You guys both go with your $20 bill and you both get the deal. But in the case of buying a home, you do not have the same things in your pocket as anybody else. Nobody knows what kind of lint and gum and crap you got in your pocket. And who knows? Maybe they have $20 in all their pants pockets. But for you, this is the only 20 bucks that you have in the world. They happen to be in your pocket today. Maybe they've got a $100 bill in their back pocket and you've got a hole in yours and realize that your change has been spilling out and falling all throughout the mall. Or maybe they have light, empty other pockets and your pockets are filled with student loans, credit card debt, and that stupid high lease that you have two years left on that fresh ride that you cruise around town in and that you might end up living in that dope cool car because you can't handle the payments. So it's a loaded question. You can't get an answer from a generic statement. You just can't. You know, you can't get what is right for you and your family's long-term financial goals if someone tries to put you all in the same pot. You can't get it from a top three reasons list or a top five down payment mistakes that first-time buyers make. And remember, this is coming from the guy who occasionally will post lists like that, but I also make fun of them. And I tell you that these lists, these things that tell you about the mistakes that you don't know about, it's just the beginning. So your next step is to take some time and consult with a pro and figure out the other 163 things that aren't on the list that you don't know anything about. Consult. That's a big difference between just doing a little research. Don't try to text somebody for a quick answer because there isn't one. Consult with somebody. You can't find out something this big from watching, you know, a TikTok video or a few YouTube tutorials. They don't talk back to you. They don't ask you the specific questions to you. A good, experienced unicorn realtor is going to discover you the best plan only after listening and hearing your full story. And that comes through a full buyer consultation. And that happens before you ever step foot in a home. There are a lot of first-time buyer realtors that are really excited to show you homes, but that's pretty much all they do. We call them door openers. They're inexperienced, desperate, just praying to close two or three deals this year. Or even worse, there are the part-timers out there who do real estate as a side hustle because they're just, for whatever reason, they're not committed to real estate. They think that it's something they can do on the side. They're in it for a quick buck to make some quick cash. They're one of those agents who decided to do this on the side because I love people and I love interior design. They might be nice. You might get along with them. You guys might click and maybe they're a great person to go out and have margaritas with. But in the long run, oh, you know, how it can hurt you is that they don't have the experience and they don't see the full scope of this colossal financial decision. 
Unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of agents out there that can't fully grasp the momentous purchase, what this means to you and your family. But, you know, if you give them a call, they're happy to jump on the call. They're going to email you back or they're going to get your internet inquiry when you punched your information in on some website. And then, sure, they'll go meet you at the home that you found online and they're going to meet you right there so they can wait for it. Open the door. And that's pretty much all they do because they haven't even checked out to see if this home is right for you. Or worse, is this home going to bankrupt you in a few, few years because they haven't heard your full story? Their goal is to get you excited about homes and then just make a sale. And hey, you know, who's not enticed? by the idea, the concept of being a homeowner, not being a renter anymore. Everyone loves that. And, you know, once those folks hook you in, then they send you to a lender and they say, that's their job. Let them do all the hard math. You know, let them figure out the important things like figuring out a down payment. Be careful of someone out there who's just trying to ascertain if it's possible for you to buy a home. And then start showing you places. Maybe you shouldn't be buying a home at that price. Many realtors don't have the experience to grasp the concept of creative thinking with financing because they're new or they're part-timers or they pass it on to the lender, like I said. And then sometimes the lenders will just do a quick, brief pre-qualification and whoop, off you go. And then what happens? You don't like what you see. You're not pre-qualified for enough. So they go, ah, well, time for you to save some money. So you go save money and I'll see you in six months. It's about the plan. And I know if you're out there and you finally went, you know what, I'm going to find out about buying a house. So you start listening to the podcast. The first thing you think about is all the fun stuff you're going to do. Go out and, you know, go to open houses. Well, not anymore. <laughs> not unless you're dressed in bubble wrap. But I say it all the time to my buyers. It sucks. But when we start, it ain't sexy. And I'm going to bum you out. Because if you think we're just going to do a quick 10-minute call to a lender and give them a couple numbers, and then we're going to go look at homes this weekend so we can talk about design concepts and HGTV fun things, <laughs> slow your roll, man. Captain Mega Downer in the house. I'm going to talk to you about long-term life plans, adulting crap. That is how we answer the question, how much should I put down? Okay, so maybe you're thinking, wow, Sedoni, thanks for the compassionate warning. That's really nice. But, uh, bro, when are you going to actually answer the question in the question of the week episode? How much? Well, you see, I am answering the question. The first answer to the question is there is no one size fits all to the question, how much should I put down for my down payment for my first house? I wish there was. And anyone telling you that everybody should do whatever, uh, you know, whether it's put three and a half percent down, put five percent, put 10 percent, put 20, put 50, whatever. If they said everybody should do that, you know, without getting the scope of each individual person's complete situation, they're not trying to help you do the best thing for you. They're just trying to capture you. My favorite word that all the real estate marketers use, capture as many buyers as they can, and then bring them all in, give them all mediocre service, weed them out until they find the few ones that can actually give them an immediate payday and ignore the rest. One of the main goals of this podcast is not selling a dream to you to get you to act. I'm not trying to get you guys to, hey, run out, find a realtor and go right now. No, it's selling you the dream to get a plan. Not a lot of advice out there when it comes to helping you plan because, uh, you know, the internet figured out, hey, if I do that, they're not buying something soon and there's no quick money in it for me. But I'm here to tell you, do your research and find someone playing the long game. The good news is once you find that unicorn, that Sherpa, that Yoda to guide you, 
then you'll begin to be opening your eyes and see the reality of how this works. Maybe a 20% down payment is exactly right for you. Maybe not. Maybe a much lower down payment can get you into a home sooner and make this monumental purchase at the time that is best for you and you know for your family's financial well-being. There it is. I said it. Maybe you shouldn't put 20% down. Bam! All right, there it is. I open the door, let the skeptics, the critters, the haters, let all the arguments start. I know that's where it begins. I I can hear some of you folks out there right now. Well, maybe not you guys because you're listening, but this is the kind of stuff I hear when I tell people, maybe you don't have to put 20% down. These are some of the things I hear. Ah, he's just trying to sell you something. He just wants to put you to put less down so that you buy sooner and get him paid sooner. You know, don't do that. That's suicide. Didn't you see all those foreclosures in 2008, 2011 from all the people who put a little money down? That's what caused the housing bubble in the recession. Dave Ramsey always says put 20% down and then pay your house off in 15 years and he's a good guy. Okay, cool. Let me address your hypothetical yelling at your treadmill or your car while you're listening to this. Number one, I'm not trying to sell you anything. First of all, most of you know, I'm going to give you a unicorn realtor somewhere else in the country and they're going to help you buy a home. And, you know, they're totally cool. All the unicorns are cool at going whatever pace and whatever financial structure is best for you and your family. And if you are local and I do work with you, that's what I'm going to do too. Whatever your pace, that's what makes the most sense. As long as you've done a full financial consult and you know where you're going. Number two, you say a low down payment, that's just a ticket for a realtor to get it paid sooner. Actually, I understand why you're saying that. And because unfortunately, that's some of the things the industry has done. But, you know, I believe in timing the purchase. That's the key to all your smart and financially fortuitous decisions when it comes to buying a home. Go back and listen to episode 38, the 2021 forecast for housing. There's a reason why I'm talking about all this stuff now based on the numbers and what we're seeing. Or episode 36, the economics of timing a purchase with the end of your lease. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Episode 40, we also talked about the question of the week, should I buy now or should I wait? Spoiler alert, it depends on you and your situation. There's no blanket answer. And so your own situation, it might get be good to get you closed in 30 days. It might be better to get you closed in 30 weeks. We don't know until we check it out. Number three, oh, that foreclosures, you know, the crash that happened in 2008, 9, 10, and 11, that was because people used low down payments and had no equity when the market tanked. Actually, the foreclosures happened because the banks were lending to anybody with a pulse. And then those people who did buy a house, they watched it double in value in two years. And so they went sweet and they refinanced the home to the max means they took a loan out to the new value, double the value. And they took a bunch of it out as cash. They used their home like an ATM machine. Ah, dang it. I did it. I said ATM machine. ATM machine is repetitive. A is automated teller machine. It's just an ATM. I'm so old. Anyway, these people refied to the max and... You know, then they took the cash out of the house and then they used it to pay off other debt, their credit cards, robbing Peter to pay Paul, because, you know, the point is they had massive credit card debt and never should have gotten the loan to buy the house in the first place. The banks gave them the loans when they shouldn't have. Now, that is not how it works now. They've changed all of that. You have to qualify for the loan before they offer you any sort of approval. 
So if you qualify for 20%, that means you can handle it. And if you qualify for three and a half percent, that means you can handle that too. Number four, people talking about the low down payments causing the recession. The low down payments didn't cause a recession. The banks loaning to anyone caused the artificially inflated market, which made them tons of money. And that's why they did it. And eventually the really scary thing is a lot of these big Wall Street guys actually started betting against mortgage backed security, knowing that the system would fail. Watch the movie The Big Short if you want to learn about what really happened. It's a big short. It's really awesome. And it's actually very digestible. It's not a big like money finance movie. It's talking about boring stuff, but it's directed by Will Ferrell's partner who co-wrote Anchorman, Talladega Nights, and the other guys. So the film is palatable considering the subject matter, boring bank stuff. And then number five, Dave Ramsey. Okay, here we go. For those of you who don't know who Dave Ramsey is, he's a financial guru, and his story is remarkable. He's an incredible rags-to-riches guy, personal story, and he's an institution now, and he's doing incredible work. He's selflessly dedicating his life to helping thousands and thousands of people get out of debt. He hates debt, and I agree with a large part of what he says. And part of the reason why he's trying to do this, he's trying to change the culture because Americans suck at managing debt and saving money. We just do. You know, you can blame the credit card companies for preying on young adults on college campuses by offering everybody a free hacky sack or a Frisbee if you sign up for a credit card. You can blame the schools, the elementary and junior high schools for making you do dumb stuff and not teaching you finance. My 10 year old is doing freaking cursive. She was doing cursive today in 2021. And I guarantee you, by the time she gets out of fifth grade, she's going to have no clue about any of this financial stuff because she's learning how to do cursive because that's going to come and makes me so mad. But point is, it doesn't matter. It could have been education. It could have been the credit card companies pushing it. It could be the way that we handle credit. We suck at it. So with the best of intentions, people like Dave Ramsey and a whole bunch of other financial gurus out there, they really push the safe and practical lifestyle choices and the safe mindsets. And Sometimes I think it's because they've seen that the average American just can't be trusted with unlimited debt. We're an immediate gratification society. FOMO, YOLO, that's what we do. You know, even my boy, Joel Larsgaard from the fantastic How To Money, he was on episode 15 with me and we had a little discussion about the 20% down topic and we had a disagreement. You know, we did discuss it actually civilized and we listened to each other with mutual respect. It was actually very non-American. He's just so nice. It's like he's Canadian or something. So my position is that if you're educated and disciplined and you understand what you're getting into, that you can use the ninth wonder of the world. Yeah, I know Dave Ramsey and Albert Einstein. You're all going to tell me that the you know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And I gave it to you. You got it. It is awesome. Outranks mine number nine. But I think number nine is leverage. Because when you use leverage wisely, combined with the simple math of trying to save 20% in today's real world, while at the same time, you're trying to save that while you're burning rent every month, every month, every month, like a bum over a trash can in some old movie. And hey, there are two very strong sides to this argument. And Dave Ramsey and a bunch of other people, they preach 20% and pay your house off in 15 years and never have a mortgage. And it breaks down to a larger macroeconomic argument. And 
it's just about the best way to leverage your money. And either you're paying as much as you can into a solid, hard asset that you get to live in with a proven track record of a 3 to 4% annual gain over a 10-year period, or you leverage that asset by taking out a large loan and pay it off at the minimums monthly. So that means that you're going to have a larger monthly cash flow that you can invest differently. Trust me, scour the internet. You're going to see tons of arguments for both sides. You're going to hear a bunch of people say, always pay off your mortgage as fast as you can and live in a free and clear home. And then you're going to see other people, these big financial guru guys that say, always carry a mortgage on your primary home and use your monthly cash flow to grow your other assets. A real world example of this is I just talked to an East Coast realtor last week. I was, she's a unicorn and was helping uh, some of my folks out there. And she's downsizing. She, you know, has a giant six bedroom colonial home and she's had it, you know, for years and years and years. So the mortgage is paid off and she was cashing out big. And then she was going to downsize to a smaller home. And, you know, the smaller home with the proceeds of the sale, she could have purchased it three times over with cash. When she talked to her financial advisor about buying that home, you know, for tax purposes, and she told him, that she was going to pay cash, her financial advisor said, are you effing kidding me? But he didn't say effing. Yeah. He said, are you effing kidding me? Why? No, just put a small down payment. At most, you can put 10% down and borrow 500,000 and you're going to get that for 3% interest. It's the cheapest money's ever been. And then let me put that half million dollars to work for you. And even if we put it in extremely conservative and safe investments, we can make like five to 8% easy. There's an old saying about economists. If you get five economists in one room and you ask them for the best theory and best economic plan to run a company or a government, you're going to get five wildly different answers and they all will have merit in some capacity. In general, yeah, I usually, you know, help present all the options to the buyers, but ultimately it is up to them. And everybody lives differently. Everybody budgets differently in their own life. What some people consider super aggressive saving, another person might think, geez, dude, that's not even saving enough. Everyone's different. So here's just some food for thought when you're hearing people tell you, you know, you've got to have 20% down. You know, you need to be in a situation where you're debt free. I get it. But as far as buying a house, the 20% philosophy was forged out of the Great Depression when everyone suddenly realized, hey, maybe it's a good idea to have a few extra bucks in my pocket and not have such a big payment every month. But since then, for the average individual, home prices have gone up, but wages have actually stalled in comparison. All right, if you talk to your grandparents, here's where their headspace was. In 1975, they bought a home for 32,000 bucks and the average salary that year was $11,000. So that one year's annual salary was 33% of the home. If you're talking to your parents in 1996, it was $110,000 to buy the average home and the average salary was 24%. So it had dropped. It was only that average salary was only 22% of the price of the home dropped from 33 to 22. And today, $350,000 home average salary, $68,000. That's only 19%. So if you're not making as much, it's not quite as easy to save up for that 20%. And what are you doing while you're saving for that 20%? You don't make money to out on your own when out on your own, you got to pay rent. And it truly is a mindset. 
economies change. And we have to remember that prices versus wages have gone way up. So it's going to take a lot longer for you to save 20% down. And, and here is the simple math on that. This is the big formula. And one of the major reasons why sometimes I have a difference of opinion with people on 20% down versus a low down payment. Okay, so today, $300,000 home is going to cost you about $2,100 a month, P-I-T-I, your principal, your interest, and then we're going to throw in there your taxes and your insurance as part of your payment. So $2,100 a month for full principal interest taxes and insurance, that's based on you know early 2021 scream and low interest rates. So say that today you're paying $2,000 a month in rent, and it took you a year or two years to save up while you're paying rent, okay? But you're trying to save up for just the lowest down payment you can do, 3.5%. That's an FHA loan, okay? So you're paying $2,000 a month rent, but you're socking money away and trying to save up 3.5% of $300,000, that's going to be $10,500. Now, you throw in another five or $7,000 for closing costs. Now, that's really on the high end, but I just want to show that I'm not skimpy on the numbers, you know, so I can offer a fair and balanced opinion. So that means 3.5% on $500,000 purchase, it's $10,500 plus five or 7,000. That's 15,500 or $17,500. That's what you need to purchase a home. And if you do purchase that home and you're paying $2,000 in rent, your monthly payment's going to be almost the same at $2,100. Okay, now here's where the math gets a little different. Remember I told you, math, this payment has PMI. Okay, that's the private mortgage insurance, that extra payment, that thing that if you say it to someone over 40, you can just watch their skin start to crawl. People hate it. Okay, so... That PMI payment, it varies. If you've got great credit, 760 or higher, that's going to cost you $62 a month. If your credit is more in the middle at 720 or higher, that's $105 a month. And if your credit's at 680, it's going to cost you $162 a month. Okay? So that PMI is not part of a loan if you're having 20% down. So obviously there's a difference between 3.5% down payment and 20% down payment. 20% is 60,000, 3.5, 3 3.5% is 10,500 for a difference of $49,500. So let's go back to the beginning. You're looking at a $300,000 house, you're paying $2,000 a month in rent, and you've got to save up that $10,500 plus You've got to save the closing costs, so you're thinking 15, 16, 17 grand you've got to save. Now, you probably need a couple years, but let's just say it takes you a year to do it. Okay, so if you're psycho and could save 17,000 a year, then now you've got to get another $49,000 to get to 20%. So it's going to take you how many years? Four to save to get to 20% down? So here's part one of the formula, okay? Today, you can do that 3.5% down payment, but it's going to cost you an extra $260 more in mortgage, right? Because 20% down, your loan is lower. 
So with three and a half percent down, you have to pay more on the loan. That costs you 260. Trust me, I did the math on that one. I know for many of you, you've already tuned out. Your brains have turned to mush. It's just a lot of numbers coming at you, but it's really simple. The three and a half percent down payment, you're paying 260 extra every month versus putting 20% down. And then we have to put the PMI on it. And that came in the three different levels, 62, 105, or 162. So let's take the middle one. You're going to pay 260 plus $105 a month. Okay. So we add the extra mortgage payment because your loan is higher. That's 260 plus the 105 PMI. So that's 365 a month. So you can make the decision and wait and try to save. Okay. Cause you want to avoid that extra $365 a month. You can work hard and get rid of that nasty PMI and you can try to save $49,500. And so how long is that going to take five years, 10 years, who knows, or you can purchase with three and a half percent down and loan yourself $49,500 at $365 a month. Do you understand that? You can buy with 3.5% down and it's going to cost you an extra $365 a month or you can try to save that $49,500. But you don't have to save that $49,500. You can just pay an extra $365 a month. It's like loaning yourself the money. You don't have to keep renting and getting nothing in return for five to 10 years. You just pay the extra $365 in monthly installments while you own the house. And then you reap all the benefits of being a homeowner versus waiting on the sidelines. By the way, paying $2,000 a month in rent that goes nowhere to the tune of $24,000 a year. And if it takes you five years to save that $49,500, you've thrown away $120,000 in rent just so you can save $365 a month. Loan yourself the difference between 3.5% down and 20% down in this scenario, it's 49,000 bucks. Loan it to yourself for $365 a month. Pay in installments. And you do that because you don't want to be paying $120,000 over five years in rent while you wait to save that money to get you to 20%. And part two of this formula, you know what happens during that five to 10 years? I don't. Nobody does. What's going to happen to that $300,000 house? Is it still going to cost $300,000? Is it going to be more? It might be less. You never know. But what about interest rates? They're at 3% right now, the lowest they've ever been. Like ever, 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 like forever, forever lowest. They can only be up while you're waiting those five to 10 years to save to be someone who puts 20% down because that's what you were told you're supposed to do. And remember, this is just my opinion. You know, with today's higher home prices versus wages and the time it takes to save that extra 16.5%, if you plan on renting during those years and you're trying to save that 16.5% from 3.5% down to 20% down, in my opinion, the math speaks for itself. And if you didn't get it, go back and listen to this example a few times, you know, maybe grab a piece of paper and write it down because I know it's just ears or it's just numbers in your ears right now. Ears in your numbers? Either way. See, it's confusing. But if you don't understand that one, you know, go back, listen to the example a few times, rewind this and get it for reals. I really, really want you guys to get this concept. I did you guys again. Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of that. I really would like everybody out there to grasp this concept. 
And, you know, I'm fine. Once you grasp the concept, if you disagree, that's great. As long as you really get it. We all do our own thing. We all make up our own mind. There are some people that it's really easy for them to save one way. And some people need it to be completely different with automatic things taken out of their account and, you know, whatever works for you. And I tell all my buyers all the time, hey, once we've done this financial consultation, it's up to you. It's your life. I'm not going to live in the house that I help you buy. And I sure as heck, I'm not going to help you make the payments. Oh, and a bonus on the PMI that we were talking about. The PMI goes away. So that little extra payment we had, it actually goes away at some point when the, the value of your home increases. On an FHA loan, it's actually stuck to it for 11 years. That's been a change over the past few years, but it didn't used to be that way. But now it has to stay on there for 11 years, no matter what. But if at the end of 11 years, if the home is increased in value by 18.5%, and that could be both an appreciation as well as your principal reduction that you make through your payments, then boop. PMI is gone after 11 years, so you can take that off your monthly ledger because I'm sure that you do a budget out for 30 years, right? (laughs) Yeah, okay. But if you do what we call a conventional loan, like a 5% down loan, a low down payment instead of the FHA loan, you don't even have to wait 11 years. So all that formula that we did before, if you do 5% down and the home appreciates by 17%, then it goes away. And I've actually been told that when your home increases to 15% through appreciation and principal reduction in your payments, you know, it's supposed to be 17, but I've been told that if you call the bank and you're forceful and you pull a Karen and ask to talk to a manager, that you can get it dropped at the 15% mark. So if the market goes up 5% for the first three years that you own the home, you could be rid of the PMI by year three or year four. Okay, here's a question I get asked in this crazy, I get asked a lot because this crazy red hot multiple offer market that's happening in 2021, people say, hey, I heard a low down payment screws me in this market. And so what do I put down? Because I don't want, you know, get beat out every single time by the 20% offers. Yeah, sometimes it is tough depending on the listing agent and the seller. Sometimes you don't get looked at with the same validity as a 20% down. But you see any loan, three and a half, 10%, 20%, even 50%, they need to be verified in a hot market like this. If multiple offers are coming in, the seller has the option to be choosy. Many of them are going to, you know, they're going to check every single loan before they even accept the offer. It happened to me just this morning, as a matter of fact. And once we got verified, they took our offer and we were good to go. And once The seller and the listing agent, once they've verified all the loans, then they're all the same. Then they all look like cash. Now, that's when it comes down to a few things that the low down payment might hurt you. Well, first of all, is your agent a pro? Are they going to close the deal? That's what they're looking at. They're also going to be looking at the lender. Are they pro? And, you know, whether it's a small payment or a large down payment, if the lender's no good, sometimes they won't pick them, even with a big down payment. Where it can be perceived as a negative compared to a larger down payment is, let's say you're in the deal and something needs to be renegotiated and the seller's not going to budge. That means the buyer's going to have to come up with the extra money if there's an issue with the inspection or the appraisal. Well, a low down payment can't finagle any more money by changing their loan. And, you know, like if you're at a 10% loan, you can drop to a 5%. Now you've got extra cash that you can throw at the problem, whatever it is. 20% loan can drop to 15 or 10%. They'll take the PMI hit, but they'll use the cash to fix whatever the problem is, throw it at the seller and close the deal. Now, however, I have seen people 
with 15 or 20% down elect to go down at 5% at the very beginning of the deal. But what they do is they show the seller with the offer, hey, I'm only 5%, but I have all this extra cash. So as long as the loan gets verified and your extra cash gets verified, then that 5% is no real different than a 20%. I hope that answers the question. I've even had situations where, you know, just recently I've got a great podcast listener who's looking for someplace up in LA and she's awesome. We've been having a lot of fun and she's a real smart individual. And, you know, we were talking about things and we ended up finding a place that is a little dated and needs some work, but it's perfect location wise. So she was like, gosh, I really, you know, I don't have any money. I'm going to be getting this money later on, but right now I'd really like to do that stuff. She just decided, Hey, you know what, what's the difference between 5% and three and a half percent. So she's going to drop from a 5% to a three and a half percent to have just that little one and a half percent extra chunk of money. And then she can use that for her remodeling. Some of the other things that if you're trying to go back and listen to some other podcasts, you can hear how people have changed their down payment for whatever worked with them. Episode 33, my favorite peeps, Alvin and Ashley, young up and comers, but we had long conversations because they had stock options that were coming due. They had retirement funds and annual bonuses. So their $20 pockets had lots of pockets to consider. They could have waited and gotten a bigger down payment, but for them, they decided they want to get in soon. So after all those long discussions, they decide to go for it. And eventually when they get that extra cash from the stock options and the bonuses, then they can pay down the mortgage or maybe invest in other properties. Speaking of investing in other properties, episode 37, I talked to Kyle, that dude's insane. He decided to go low down payment on a multi-unit and then in the same year, low down payment on another one. And then he's going to go low down payment on an apartment. Now, obviously he could have taken those three low down payments and put a bigger down payment on one thing, but he did the math. He's comfortable with it. He's betting on himself and betting on his spreadsheets. And if you don't even have the three and a half percent down and you're wondering, I listen to this podcast today to find out how much do I need? It's probably going to have to be three and a half unless you're a veteran, then you can do zero down. And, you know, if you've listened to episode 38, which I mentioned earlier, that's the 2021 forecast and episode 40 on should I buy or should I wait? If you've listened to those and you see things the way you're moving and you want to get into this market, well, then you go back to episode 30. That's where I discuss all the ways to borrow from the bank of M&D. That's the bank of mom and dad. Or, you know, looking for any kind of friend or family. If someone is just thinking, you know, maybe you've got an uncle or someone that's like, hey, three and a half percent down, I can give you fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000, and then you just pay them back. It's called a gift. Sometimes the banks will let you be approved for that. And in episode 22, that's where I break down pulling from your 401k. If you don't have enough for a down payment, you can get up to 50% or $50,000 without a taxable event happening if you're using it for primary home. This is another controversial topic that a lot of people freak out about touching their retirement. I got into it on Tuesday uh, this week. That's episode 43. Check that one out. There's a whole lot of conversation about retirement in that one. Well, there it is. That's attempt number three at the what are supposed to be the question of the week, the short episodes. What a massive epic fail. I seriously don't even want to look at the clock on this one, but I had to do it. I just cannot give you guys the cliff notes. It's just too important a question. 
Thanks a lot. You guys rate, review, subscribe. Check me out on Facebook, How to Buy a Home Group. You can always find me on Instagram if you have questions about your specific situation. There at David Sedoni, the website, davidsedoni.com. It's where you can find everything. It's got links to Facebook and Instagram. The YouTube page, which has a whole bunch of videos. Don't forget, I'm going to be thinking about getting on Clubhouse pretty soon and trying to do some live Q&As. So you can ask me these questions and hear if I can ramble to you like I ramble to myself at 2.42 in the morning in my house. Whew. So the answer to the question... How much should you put down for your down payment on your first house? Well, empty your pockets and let's find out. You can do this.